James 1 this morning in your Bibles, please. James 1. We are in the last couple of weeks of our series, Christian, Discover the Meaning of the Truly Christian Life. And what we mean by that is rather than just say, I am a Christian, well, there's two things. Experience what it really is to be a Christian and then let others see what it means to be a Christian. So we've been looking at some key passages about the Christian life and the heart of the Christian life. And today we come to James chapter 1, and this is a very important topic. The topic that I want to speak to you about today is one that, if not understood, if not properly understood, can lead you to, at periods of time, to doubt the presence of God in your life. If this topic is not understood, it could even lead you and has led some to, at least for a time, to walk away from the faith, to walk away from church or the Scriptures. It's a vital, vital truth to understand, and that is this, that there are times when our faith is tested. There are times when our faith is tested. You might be here right now and you might say, you know what, Ethan, my faith is being tested this morning. You may be going through something where you feel that you're being really put through it. You're being put under it and your faith is being put to the test. Well, the Bible speaks of that. Aren't you glad? Let's look at what it says. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, just three verses. The Bible says this, my brethren... My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Back to verse number two, my brethren, brothers, sisters, church, friends, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that your word speaks to us in our times of strength and in our times of weakness. God, I pray that the truths that we uncover this morning would speak to each person in a way that only you can. Lord, you know the need of each heart. You know how you want to speak to people through your word. I pray that you'd help me to simply be the mouthpiece. Lord, simply to speak only what you would have me to, to say today. Please help us as we submit ourselves to the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, you notice in this first verse that we're looking at, count it all joy, well, the first thing you notice is he's speaking to who? Who is he speaking to? Who's this, who's this passage written to? It's written to the, the brethren, the believers, the Christians, the, the brothers and sisters. That's who the audience of this particular text is. And that would be you, and that would be me. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're being addressed here. My brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, if you're not used to reading from the King James Version, you would say, who are these divers and what are they all tempted about? But that's not what we're talking about today. 
diverse, as in different kinds, different occurrences. You see, diverse temptations is there is a diversity. There are different types of tests and trials that fall into our lives. Now, we think of temptation most honestly as in being tempted to what? To sin. Now, there are different kinds of temptations. James, actually in this very passage later on, will talk about the temptations of sin. But really, when he says different kinds or diverse temptations, he's speaking of temptations in the sense of any kind of trial or difficulty that you may face in life. And boy, there are all different kinds, aren't there? And we could go around the room, and I could say, what kind of trials do people face? And it would kind of probably turn into a group therapy session at that moment because you'd be talking about the one that you're dealing with. And it could be, I mean, just think about it. People deal with family trials and they're real and they're heavy. Have you ever gone to, gone to work and you just can't focus on your job because you're dealing with something in your personal life? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody, just me, right? <laughs> okay, you ha- you, that's happened to you. Or maybe you, you even go to church and you can't even focus on the songs or the message because you got this financial pressure. That's a temptation or a trial that you're facing. You might have a child that you're worried about or there might be sickness in your life or in the life of a loved one. You might be going through an emotional struggle. There are so many trials that we come up against. Well, the Bible speaks to how to deal with them. Diverse temptations. Now notice something else in this verse. Not only does it say, count it all joy when you fall into diverse. Not only does it say there's different kinds of trials and temptations, but it doesn't say if trials come. It says what? When. It says when they come. When the trials come. When the difficulties come. Well, let's what, see what the Scripture says. I want to just give you three thoughts from these verses today. I'll focus on, first of all, in verse number two, when trials come. Do, that, do this for me, if you would. Before I give you the, before we start going through it, would you do this? Maybe write it down. I'm not going to check to see who's writing or not. I always love it when people are like, I was at a seminar yesterday and they were like, the guy said, write this down. I see everybody, they get their pens out to write it. And I was like, I'm not going to write it down. <laughs> like, how many of you are stubborn New Englanders like me? You know, you're like, I, I, I don't have to write this down. Make a mental note, write it down, whatever you are comfortable doing. What is the trial that's most heavy in your life right now? Maybe it would help to write it down. What is it? Just take a minute. Say, and, and for some, maybe life is going well, and you're like, oh, I, I don't know right now. I'd have to think about it. If you've got to think about it for a while, then you're doing all right at the moment. But for some people, it's probably just, boom, this is it, number one. And you're like, one? Let me show you my list. But write it down. And now let's submit it to the Scriptures. Can we do that this morning? Take that trial And let's submit it to the Scriptures. First of all, the Scripture teaches us that we need to be managing our feelings. Managing our feelings. Do you see what it says in verse number 2? My brethren, 
Count it all what? Joy. Count it all joy. It doesn't say, feel it all joy. Sometimes it's important to say what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, hey, just feel good about the trial you're going through. It doesn't say that. You see, because in the midst of that difficulty, whatever you wrote down, whatever you're going through, whatever your trial is, and if not now, when you face a trial, it does not feel joyful, does it? Absolutely not. There's no feeling. And, that, and it would be strange for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm really suffering, but it just feels so good. You'd, you'd worry about their mental state and, and how they're doing, right? It's not, he's not saying you need to feel good about this because it's in our trials. You read the Psalms, and we're going to look at a Psalm in relation to this passage today. You read about David. David never hid his feelings, did he? I mean, we have in the book of Psalms, you have almost every human emotion processed right on display for the whole world to read. And David went through these difficult times where he didn't feel good. Job in the Old Testament. Some of you know the story of Job. Job did not feel good in the circumstances. But the fact is this, as Christians, as believers, the Bible says whatever you're dealing with, you don't have to feel happy about it, but you do have to consider this a joyful occurrence in your life. That's a challenge, isn't it? Now, joy is a... I mean, we could define joys, joy many different ways, but it's related to happiness, but it's deeper. It's a deep, abiding, contented fulfillment that says, all is good because God is good. All is good because God is good. And so while it doesn't feel like joy, we are told to count it joy. Like, well, how do we do that? Well, stick around. We'll see. The Bible explain why we can find joy, not a feeling, but a deep abiding sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in God, even in the midst of trials, even when faith is tested. Count it all joy. We need to learn to manage our feelings. Now, this I just heard recently. A friend of mine gave a discussion on this. I thought it was really good, and I included it in the message today. We have natural emotional responses to bad things, trials, okay? How many of you have, your family has like a default emotional response to trials, okay? You know what I'm talking about? There's the, there's, and it, put it this way, some people, when, when they're tested, we're going, where they're going through something in life, it could, be, it could be a physical issue, could be a time of depression, it could be, you name it, whatever that trial is in your life, one of two things is usually going to happen. Most people default to either expressing that outwardly or turning where? Turning in inwardly. And I can't, I, I can't take credit for this. He put it this way and it's really good. He said, some people stuff it and some people vent it. And you just think which one you are. If you're, if you're following along and you actually are doing the writing down things for me today, like, you know, you're that guy or, or girl, which one are you? Are you the turn it in or turn it out? That's natural. That's what people do. So some people, it's like they disappear for a month. Well, where's so-and-so? I don't know. Are they okay? I don't know. What's going on? 
or they don't talk to people because it's almost like they take those feelings, they take that what they're going through, and they just have to get alone with their feelings. And that's how they process it. Who in here would say, that's me, that's how I am. I'm an, I'm a stuff it. Stuff it, don't talk to me. Maybe, maybe you've even said, you know what? I don't even have enough, I'm going through this, I can't even go to church because I don't even have enough, I don't even have enough capacity to even talk to people right now. You been there, you know what I'm talking about? I'm just getting real on this. Now there's the opposite. You meet somebody, or you're talking to somebody, and all they do is like, oh, let me tell you what's going on in my life. I've got this problem, and that problem, and this problem, and that problem, and it's just they've got to release it. They got to... So, so who are the ventits in there? We saw the stuffits. We got the ventits, all right? You're just going to tell, and, and Adam's like, it depends what day is going, or what the problem is. And you know what? That's true. Depends on the trial you're going through. Well, I got some bad news for everybody. That's not how we are supposed to deal with our trials. Which way? Which way is right? Neither. Neither. Now, again, God has created us with unique personalities, so I'm not speaking conclusively here. So, you know, don't, you know, I don't want to have these long converse, psychological conversations after the message. Just, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert. We're just speaking in generalities this morning. But the Bible response is not to retreat to isolation or to dump our problems on other people. It's not in, it's not out, it's what? It's up. Let's take a quick look at Psalm 42 and see not the natural response, but the spiritual response to trials. The Bible says this, this is a psalm that David wrote to the chief musician, the sons of Korah. It says this in verse number 1, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. We sing that song, as the deer. That's, that's where it comes from. The heart, the deer, it's, it's thirsty. David says, God, I'm thirsting for you. I need you. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Look at verse 3. In this case, David has turned pretty inward. He says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? What has happened in David's life? In verse 3, he is showing us where he used to be. In verse 3, I was, I've just been crying day and night. People have been attacking me. I've just retreated, and I've just been in, all up in myself, and day and night, day and night, day and night. And then in verses, but back at verse 1 and 2, we see what he finally found his proper response should be. He didn't look just in him. He didn't look out. He looked up to the Lord. He said, God, in this trial, I need you. I am, verse 2, I am thirsting for you, God. How many of you have found in your trial, sometimes you don't even feel like praying about it? I'm getting some nods out there. Well, that is, that's, that is an attack of the wicked one to keep you from finding God's plan in that trial. But it's amazing. We can see it so clearly on the other side, right? But in the midst of it, boy, we've got to learn to manage our feelings. Don't just turn them in. Don't turn them out. That doesn't mean that you can't find help from brothers and sisters. That's not the point. But in the midst of it, first and foremost, you've got to get it up. 
you've got to focus it to God. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Back to James now. Let's look at the second thing. The first, the first is manage our feelings. And we're going to go back to Psalm as well, but let's come to verse number three now in James. So in, he says this, knowing, knowing this. He says, I want you to count it all joy. Why? Because you need to know something. Know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. But I want you to focus on the first two words. Could you say the first two words with me? Ready? Knowing this. Knowing this. We've got to live in the truth. Manage our feelings and live in the truth, knowing this. Listen, we, as believers, it is important that we learn to speak the truth to our feelings. We live in a, in a culture that is completely dominated by emotionalism. Completely dominated by emotionalism. And it's all about how I feel in the moment. And people make decisions very often on, based on how they feel at the moment. In a crisis, in a time of trial and testing, the very worst thing that we can do is make a decision based on how we feel. Because our feelings are not trustworthy. It is only through the knowledge of God that we have a reliable way to process our griefs and trials. The question in our trials is not how do I feel, but what do I know? This is a unique apologetic for the, Christ for the Christian faith. That was an attention getter. I, I planned that intentionally, right? How many of you believe me? Okay. So, the fact that through the knowledge of God, we have a reliable way to process our griefs and trials, that right there, that right there is a unique apologetic for the Christian faith. Because what answer, what answer does the world have when things get bad, when things get dark? Well, they, they have some answers, but how reliable are they? There's the, there's the generic, hey, look up, things will get better. It's raining today, but tomorrow the sun will come out. But what if it doesn't? What if the sun doesn't shine tomorrow? It's only the Christian message that gives us a solid and sure and steadfast answer to find hope in times of trial. When I was in school, I was forced to learn the poetry of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Anybody else? You were your parents so, you know, objected you to subjected you to that kind of an education, right? I remember like the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Who learned that in school? Okay, some of us, okay. Some of you are like, school, that was so long. You know, anyway, Mr. Longfellow wrote this poem. It's called The Rainy Day. How many of you ever heard this poem, The Rainy Day by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? You might have. Now, if you, if you want a little, if, you, if you're like, boy, I wasn't feeling good, wait to hear this poem, all right? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, The Rainy Day. The day is cold and dark and dreary. 
Put that on your Facebook post tomorrow, right? It rains and the wind is never weary. The vine still clings to the moldering wall, but at every gust, the dead leaves fall. And the day is dark and dreary. Now, Mr. Longfellow lived in Massachusetts. <laughs> we can all relate to those days. But now the second stanza gets a little more personal. My life is cold and dark and dreary. It rains and the wind is never weary. My thoughts still cling to the moldering past, but the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast. And the days are dark and dreary. How many of you had seasons of life like that? It's just real. That's the wonderful thing about poetry, both biblical and secular, if you will. It speaks to the condition of our lives. It would be great to just come in and you know, sing the, the little orphan Annie song, the sun will come out, you know, tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar on tomorrow. But sometimes it doesn't feel like tomorrow's going to get better. And sometimes, and, and, I, and I don't mean to discourage anyone, but sometimes in life the sun doesn't come out. Some days it just continues, dark and dreary, dark and dreary. Now, the third and final stanza. He speaks to himself. Mr. Longfellow was a Unitarian, did not believe in the same way as you and I of a personal God, intimately involved and compassionate about the condition of our lives. So listen to his reply to himself. So he said, the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast and the days are dark. And you got it memorized now? The days are dark and dreary. Now he cheers himself up. Be still, sad heart, and cease repining. Behind the clouds is the sun, sun still shining. Silver lining was a good guess. Thy, now listen to what he says. He speaks to himself. Thy fate is the common fate of all. Into each life, some rain must fall, some days must be dark and dreary. And when I read that, I think, Mr. Longfellow, you were so, so close. So close. Because you're right, dark and dreary days come. But our hope, our hope is not that, well, the sun is still behind the clouds. The sun, will, that's not our hope. Our hope is not that, Maybe tomorrow will be a better day. Well, there's a greater poet than Mr. Longfellow, and that's David as he continues in Psalm 42. And David says this, after he's just poured out his heart and he cried out that his soul thirsts for God, Psalm 42, I want you to see what he says in verse number four now. So Gideon, if you give us verse four, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Now, just like Longfellow spoke to himself, David speaks to himself, but what a better message. Look at verse number five. 
Why are you so cast down? Why are you depressed? Why are you in the depths of despair? Why are you so discouraged, oh my soul? Why are you so troubled, disquieted? Why is there so much turmoil inside? You can hope in God. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. Not hope in what God will do. Not hope in that God will turn around the the situation. But hope in God for the help of His countenance. That the joy in the trial, the peace in the trial, when, 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 the, when James says, count it all joy, we don't joy that things are going to get better. They might, praise the Lord if they do, but we don't joy that things are going to get better. We joy that the presence of God and His smiling countenance is upon us and with us. That in the fire, in the trial, He is there. Everything else is just a hallmark greeting card. It's just a platitude. It's just a hope things will turn out better. Only the message of the gospel gives that eternal hope that this world can get as dark as it possibly could, but the brightness of my God is with me always. And in whatever you wrote down on your paper, you made a note of whatever your trial is, however it makes you feel, you need to preach a sermon to yourself like David did. And say, wait a minute, why are you cast down? Well, because I feel bad. I'm not minimizing the feelings. The, the pain is there. The hurt is there. But it's not about how I feel. It's about what I know. And I know God is with me. That's why Job could say that though, though his flesh would die, though worms would eat his body. It's pretty graphic, Job's description of his end. All of that, he says, but I know that in my flesh I shall see God. There's a hope. There's a joy that no matter what this world does to me, I have the Lord. Manage your feelings. Live in the truth. And by that I mean speak the truth to your feelings. And thirdly, back in James, look at verse 4. Now the work comes in. Because now you have to submit to God's process in your life. Everything I said so far is just that encouragement to hang in there. Hang in there. But now verse number four, he talks about God's process for us. But, now look at the next word, but what? Let. Allow. Submit to. Yield. Say, okay. Let patience have her perfect work. What is God's will in our trials? What is God's purpose? Is God unaware? Is He uninvolved? Is He aloof? No, He has a plan. There is a purpose in our trials. See, we all begin in faith, and then trials come. If you back up to verse number three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works what? Patience. God's plan is to work patience in your life and in my life. What is patience? Well, I think the first synonym we synonym, the first synonym that we think of would be what? Patience is 
What's the first word that comes to mind? Well, you know it. You, you know, but like, what is it? Who said it? Waiting. Waiting, right? Donna knows. She's got the bonus points because she knows where I'm going with it. Most of the time, people see that word patience and they'll think waiting. Now, there's absolutely an aspect of waiting to it. But the Greek word for patience is also often translated endurance. And I think if you put those two words together, you actually get the best awaiting endurance, a patient endurance. The literal meaning, the literal meaning of the word is to remain under. Remain under. Aaron, can you help me real quick? We're going to do a little illustration. I just made this up on the spot. We have detachable chairs now. You can help me with them. Okay, you ready? So, this is what happens. You know what we're going to do now, Aaron? I think you've, you've you got an assumption. All right, so I'm going to step down. Where do I need to stand so you can see me, Steve? Because Steve's always... Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Endurance. So I can carry a chair. I'll take a chair. I'm going to step down here. I'll take a chair. It's a nice chair. Okay, now as long as I've got this one chair on, right, I can endure. I can remain under the load. But how many of you know that sometimes the trials pile up? I can remain. I'm remaining. What, you think I'm weak? All right, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But actually, wait a minute. I'm doing okay, and I'm going to remain under this thing. But in order for me to remain under this, what? I'm going to need some strength. I'm going to need some strength. Now, a lot of people say this. They love to say this. God will never give you anything that you can't. Wrong. Totally wrong. God will give you tons of stuff you can't handle. Billy, you're going to have to help me. Can you come here? You're going to be God. How do you feel about that? You're going to represent the Lord. All right. So give me another one. I can do three. I can remain at, oh, wow. I can do a lot of them now. Right? How many do you think we could do, Billy? Three more. Three. <laughs> All right. We can, I can remain under this. Why? Because who's holding it? Yeah. God's got it. Okay? Now, Billy's a lot stronger than me. Don't say amen. So, <laughs> Billy's a lot stronger than me. So, we can keep piling these things up. The trials and the temptations. You're worried it's going to fall on you, huh? You're like in the front row right there. All right, we won't go any further, although Aaron really wants to. All right? Here's the deal. Now, what do you think will happen if I say, Billy, I got this on my own? I got it, Billy. I got it. Okay. Now's the time to say amen. Right? Now, okay, no, sorry. Sorry. So I got this on my own. I can endure. I can remain under, but I'm not going to be able to endure very long. I'm getting tired. You can hear it in my labored breathing. And I'm going to turn. I'm like, I'm going to say, I don't feel good right now. I don't feel good. Well, no. I don't feel good. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have somebody with me. Now wait, okay. I call out to him. He holds it. I can remain under a whole lot longer, can't I? Let's put it down. All right. Thank you, Billy. Do you see what we're saying here? 
I'll just slide them out of the way for now. You see what we're saying here? Let patience have her perfect work. This whole idea that God is not going to give you more than you can handle is wrong. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord allows the trials, not out of, you see I'm trying to catch my breath, right? Just, sometimes the Lord allows the trials not to hurt us. Yeah. He gives us the strength because he's teaching us patience and there's a perfect work. Who is the only one that can do a perfect work in you? It's God. He is the only one that can do a perfect work. Every other work is an insufficient work. It's imperfect. You see, we are all being transformed into the... And we could, we've looked at these passages in previous weeks. We are all being transformed in the image of Christ. The Bible says it is God that worketh in you both to, to will and to do of His good pleasure. So you, whatever it is that you wrote down at the beginning, it's more than you can handle. And you need to say, you know what? That's right. This is more than I can handle. But God is teaching me patient endurance. God is teaching me that I can remain under this so long as I rely on His strength. On Him. On Him. And it's leading us to perfection. Does that mean that we're sinless? Is that the point? No. The idea of perfection, go, the idea of uh, that ye may be perfect, entire, what's it say at the end? I don't need anything else. Perfection are those moments in the Christian life where I realize God is all I need. That's when you've reached. That's when you've arrived. And just when you've arrived at that point, what happens? You forget. And you've got to get back to that point. The Christian life isn't about, well, I got this, I can handle it. I read my Bible every day, so of course I can handle the trials. That's not the point. It's, but here's the question, will you allow God? But some Christians get angry. And they say, God, I don't think you should allow me to go through this. And they walk away. And they miss out on one of the most powerful and joyful experiences of their life which is when they can look back and say there was more than I could there was a heavier load than I could handle but I heard the message the message of Jesus come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and I learned that Jesus was sufficient I learned that Jesus was the perfection that I lacked it's all about him it's all about him Will you let God do His work in your life? Let's finish with 1 Peter 1, 3-7. I want you to see this eternal perspective. Whatever you're going through right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. Whatever you wrote down or thought about at the beginning, whatever that trial was, God has a plan for it. And it's not a plan for today, it's not a plan for tomorrow, it's a plan for eternity. God wants to do something of eternal significance through the trials that we face. That's why we can count it all joy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again. That means born again. Have you been born again? Are you saved? 
unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And this is, we weren't just saved from sin, but we were saved to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, that is reserved, where? In heaven. You know what makes you feel really good? You go to a restaurant or you go to, a, to some kind of party, and there's a little sign at the table that says, reserved. And then you just walk right up and you sit down because that table is reserved for you. Your name is in the book of life in heaven if you're a Christian. The whole kingdom, the whole inheritance, it's written down. There is a reservation. Jesus says, all that the Father gave me, it's all yours and I've reserved it in heaven for you. Verse number five, for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You'd say, boy, Ethan, I sure, I'm in this trial, I don't feel the power of God. I don't, I don't feel this faith unto salvation. Well, in the last time when you stand there, boy, you will feel it like you've never felt it before. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in what? Heaviness through manifold temptations. Same thing James said. But Peter here carefully links it to the gospel. You're saved. You have an eternal hope. Even though right now, things are getting kind of heavy. Why? There's a purpose. Don't miss verse number seven. That the trial that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, might be, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory. When? When the sun comes out tomorrow? No. When the sun returns at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Remember, if God delivers you from the trial and gives you a sunshiny day tomorrow, Praise be the Lord. If God allows you or me to endure the trial unto the very last day, same thing. Praise the Lord. Count it all joy. Because we do not understand with temporal eyes and ears and minds the weight of glory that awaits us in eternity. There is a perspective, an eternal hope for what you're going through. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Could I just ask you to just... Give me attention for just another minute as we conclude this morning. This is our opportunity. At the end of the message is your opportunity. It's my opportunity to make a decision based on what we studied this morning. The Word of God is not just, it's not just textbook. It's life-changing. But will you allow it to change your life? Two questions. First of all, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you've never received Christ as your Savior, th the trials of your life, there's not much hope for them. The greatest, the, the greatest step you need to take is to surrender to Christ, to say, Jesus, I now see that it is your death and your resurrection that gives me meaning. I repent of my sin and I ask you to save me. The Bible says that if you will call on the name of Jesus, 
you can be born again. You can be saved. You can become a child of God. Would you call out to Christ right now? Wherever you are, whether you're watching, whether you're listening in the room, if you've never received Jesus, right as I speak, just call out to him. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died and rose again for me. Please save me. Please save me. Would you do that if you've never done that? The only hope for this life and eternity is found in Jesus. Accept him today. If you say, Ethan, I still have questions, then talk to me after the service. I'll be right out in the lobby or send a message on the internet. If you've got a, you say, I want to know more. I'm, I, I, I'd like to receive Jesus, but I still want to know more. Please speak with me today. Christian, would you surrender your trials to Jesus' perfect work in your life. Whatever you wrote down at the beginning, right now let's have a quiet moment of prayer. You surrender that to the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that you hear us. We thank you for your presence in the trials. Lord, we thank you. And I pray for the, those that are just going through an especially difficult time right now. Lord, I pray that your grace would be magnified in their life. Lord, help them to hang on to you. Lord, help them to find their strength and their endurance in you and your perfect work. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a concluding hymn. I do want to say this. One of two things, if you've never received Jesus and, and you'd like someone to talk to about that, I'm going to be standing out in the foyer. And while we sing, everyone else is going to be standing. You're welcome to slip out. Come speak with me in the back. If you say, Ethan, I want to know for sure that I'm saved. Or maybe you would like someone to pray with you. You're going through a particular trial and you'd just like someone to pray with you this morning. Same thing, I'll be there. 